created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Hello and welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Dezier, and our guest today, I'm excited to talk about these very important subjects because they're long-lasting. They, they go well beyond our time here on this earth and have impacts, you know, for, for future generations. So actually, why don't you just go introduce yourself so we can get into this conversation. <laughs> um, so I'm Monica Johnson. I'm CEO of Giant Spinning Solutions. Uh, we are a full service in the machine company and we're based in Baltimore, but I mean, I kind of service all the DMV. Okay, so I provide all, right? I provide all type of, um, just your regular traditional snacks, beverages. Um, hmm. Yeah, we make it happen. So. Okay. All right. I mean, this must be, I mean, a lot of people at home need snacks these days. I know. So. <laughs> We're going to be in quarantine forever, so like for sure, I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. What? What a I business got, to be in. I know. I got my whole inventory downstairs that I'm, I have to stop myself from <laughs> going to get a honey bun and warming it up. So I'm, I am right there with you. All right. All right. And yeah, we'll, we'll get into, you said the inventory is downstairs and we'll get into all of this <laughs> entrepreneurship. Uh, but, you know, we got, before we get into the conversation, we got to do a red, yellow, green check-in and see how you're coming in today, Monica, because we're recording this at the end of 2021 in between holidays, wrapping up a really, really um, interesting year, we should say. Yes. <laughs> uh, so appreciate you coming in and doing this at the end of this uh, 2021. And I want to check in. So the red, yellow, green check-in for our first-time listeners is a way that we all can just um, be open and honest about and transparent about how we're coming into this conversation. So red on this color scale, red means I'm here but I'm not here. I'm distracted. I got so much going on. My inventory is overflowing. I got orders coming from everywhere. I just, just not fully here. Green, because I'm 100% here, I'm able to block out everything else and focus just right now on this conversation for the next 40 minutes or so. Yellow is somewhere in the middle. And Monica, if colors aren't your thing, you want to throw in some shapes, you want to mix colors, match colors, maybe do an animal. It's really just a representation of how you're coming in. So... So, Red, yellow, green. How are you coming in? I'm definitely coming in green. I'm focused. Okay. I'm like, I'm more than just here. I think my shapes are more like dot, dot, dot. You know how like you have that to be continued type <laughs> yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like that's the space I'm in where I'm like, I'm 100% here. I'm ready to go. But it's like dot, dot, dot. But dot, dot, dot. I got to I gotta keep, you know, like something else is coming. I got to keep moving. So I'm, I'm here. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here for this space. Uh, coming in however you're coming in it's a beautiful thing thank you for sharing that um, and we can get to those dot dot dots in a few I'm always I'm really always curious about folks MAPE experience how they heard about MAPE the application process their summer experience and even sometimes like after because every everyone's MAPE, MAPE story is different even though they do they go through a similar sort of you know procedural summer right Everyone has to do the application but everyone's experience was different. So tell us from the beginning, like how you first heard to the application to the summer. Yeah. 
I feel like this is like um making me feel like a, you know like an auntie, you know, like an auntie. Yeah. Because I'm over here <laughs> like, oh my god, like this was what twelve years ago almost. Wow. So that's, that's insane. So I did May. Um, I was class of May 2010. Okay. Um, I went to undergrad at Alabama State University. I cannot remember how I learned about MAPE. I feel like it must have been through some type of um, public relations type of class I was taking at Alabama State University. Okay. Where I think they just threw this internship out there. Um, I applied for it. And the crazy thing about like my whole journey with MAPE is like when I, when you apply for MAPE, you know, you have to do an interview, but you know, they set you up with an interview at a, the closest advertising agency that's yeah. like in your place. So the closest one for me was in Birmingham at the time. So um, literally as I'm driving to the interview, I get in a car accident. Like literally oh. like my car flips like three times. I'm what? in a ditch. Yes. Like I had to bust out the window and cr- like it was the oh. craziest thing. So as the paramedics is like taking me, I'm wilding because I'm like, yo, call the advertising agency. Like, I don't care about anything. Call the advertising agency. So literally, I am in the ambulance with them on the phone with the advertising agency. Wow. Call them. Let them know that I did not just do, you know, no call, no show. Like, literally, I am, (laughs) I'm I'm dying. Like, tell them. So the lady, so the paramedics on the phone with the lady at the advertising agency, she's just like, yeah, you know, we have Monica Johnson here. She's really... She's not coming down until we call you. She she said that she wasn't going to stop. And the advertising agency is freaked out because they're like, oh, my God. Like, tell this girl to relax. Tell her, like, she has blood coming out her head. Tell her to relax. And I'm just in the background, like, I'm sorry. I really want it. I'm not. Like, it was just, it was a story. So I ended up going to the hospital. And I ended up, like, going, you know, getting your stitches, doing all this stuff. And then once I got home, the advertising agency was like, um, they had contacted Mape and was like, you know, we're just so impressed that she even cared. Like, you know, they was like, we still want to record her. So I had my interview, um, like, maybe two weeks later. Like, once okay. I healed and I was, like, off all the, the medicine. Like, they made a special exception for me. And I had my oh, interview. Wow. Um, and it was, I forgot the name of the agency in uh, Birmingham. But I ended up still getting yeah. it. Um, and I started, I started, they flew me out to New York still. And I did the whole process. But um, Mape was probably one of the best things that, like, I did in undergrad. You know, and I mm-hmm. I didn't have no like experience. Like I, nobody told me what college was like. Nobody told me how to prepare for anything. I just kind of did it and fumbled my way through everything and <laughs> figuring it out. But MAPE absolutely hands down. I feel like if I didn't have if I didn't do MAPE, I don't think that I would be where I am today. Mm. Um, I think that MAPE definitely opened up a lot of doors for me. Me coming from Alabama, originally from West Coast, like you know my parents. They didn't have nothing. They don't got nothing still, you know. So so coming and being able to be in an internship that flies you to New York, that gives you an advertising agency job, an internship that pays you, you know. Like, we weren't making, like, you know, a little five, like, we were making money. Yeah, you're making money, there. yeah. We had a, a home at our own, you know, dorm style, and you get to meet so many different types of people. Then on top of that, you know, you have your personal development type of sessions where they're sending you around to different agencies and different trainings and you get to go to Google and at the time I'm just like wow like I can't even believe this type of thing exists like I feel like they went you know above and beyond to even Mm -hmm. pay and and house you and oh my this is crazy and it was like I met some of the greatest people who I still you know talk to now um my internship was at Martin's agency and I just I learned so much like I learned so much I got to I feel like it really opened my eyes and 
I think I've, I've, I haven't done like advertising. I kind of shifted more so to marketing now, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like still, it's still kind of all in the same, you know, advertising, PR, marketing industry. Yeah. And yeah, my mate, my mate was, was great. We had, I had a great time. I learned a lot, um, you know, learned a lot about New York. I think I was one of the people who got pickpocketed or something. So <laughs> somebody in New York like took all my Listen. money and I had to call home and be like, somebody send me something. Like, yeah, it's, it was definitely so, right. Right. A passage in New York. Yeah. Right. Like when you don't know any better and then you get, and I was so young. That's why it's like, yeah. it's, now I look back and I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, did we even deserve that? Did we deserve, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> made to, to fly us out there. Like we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know like anything but it was a time of our lives and it, it shaped me for sure you know yeah i mean it, first off can we just talk about the dedication to the interview process <laughs> i was getting i was okay. getting that interview. i was like look okay come, come. once i got out i was like i'm they're still they're still i'm still breathing i boom kick this window in like let's go like call these people like what's up let's go so i was i was going i, I was getting there some somehow some way they was going to all right yeah but you you touch on so many like points that like going through my head like being having been on like running mape so i ran i ran mape the year after you you did it started in 2011 and have been on the agency side all those points you're saying about like the opportunities mape gives to take folks and like you know you fly them somewhere like on the agency side folks often forget like how valuable like when we were able to do it in person, that housing and travel providing that was to get, to be able to get talent literally from anywhere, right? And be able to move them across the country, give them experiences, figure out if advertising is right for them or not. Like you said, you're really more in marketing now than advertising. And, you know, people come through MAPE and go on to do completely different things in advertising. But they wouldn't have even had that opportunity and make those connections you know, build those relationships, learn those skills, soft and hard skills, if not, you know, for mate and everything that mate provides. So that's, uh, yeah, your story resonates a lot in so many, so many different ways. I'm sure with a lot of, a lot of folks listening. Yeah, for sure. And the advertising agency that I had the opportunity to work for in New York, they have an office in Virginia. So mm. that office ended up flying me to Virginia, you know, oh, just nice. to visit them for a day. So I was just like, Oh this wow! Like I just can't even believe this is what I get to experience. So like this is like this is unheard of. Well, well shout out, shout out to the Martin Agency. For sure. Uh, always doing doing big things there. Big supporters of of MAPE and many other programs. Um, yeah. So okay. So you you already mentioned like you're in you're more in marketing now. You got the the snack company. Let's talk a little bit about like okay. So you, you're at the Martin Agency in the summer of 2010 did you go back to school or did, were you already graduated um i went back to school you went yeah, back, went to, back school. to school yeah. so what then was your career path like right after you go back you do it as a junior you go back to school what are you thinking you're like all right i just had this amazing experience at mape do you have right into advertising like what yep. what is your trajectory after that yep so as soon as i graduated from um college in 2011 um, I moved right back up to New York I started working you know you got to do the circuit of interviewing but you know of course you make so many connections that you kind of can get you know talk to people and um, I ended up getting a job at Mindshare 
and I work at Mindshare for mm. a couple months. Um, and I think, you know, definitely make prepared me for the culture, you know, for sure. I think when I when I finally got that first position and learned um, a little more about just the, the work that's into it, um, because you're kind of like more so on your own. You know, they kind of, like, once you get there, it's like, okay, this is a real job now. Like, come on. Like, you know, you got this. You got presentations. So coming out of college straight to that, you know, you learn a lot. And I think for me, I was still, it was, I mean, it was nice to kind of be, to have that job and to already have that experience because I feel like I wasn't walking into the position kind of blind. Um, I, like, you know, I had, I knew what to expect basically because I previously had agency life. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very grateful to be able to have that, that next experience and to walk into my share. Um, and, you know, I worked there for a couple, for a couple months and then I ended up getting a job at BET in New York. So, um, I left my share, went to BET. I worked at BET for about two years maybe, um, just doing sales, just Excel ads. And then after BET, um, I decided I wanted to go back to school to get my MBA, so I left there, went to Baltimore, where I went to Morgan State um, University, got my MBA there in 2016, and then I've just been doing marketing for the government since. So, um, it, it, I feel like still, I mean, even to this point, I feel like the the path that I started with Make has still played a part in, you know, how I do everything, because now, you know, I work, I do marketing, but I, I, I have an agency that I work with, you know, mm. an agency that, I, that, that I'm their client now. <laughs> so yeah. being able to under both to understand both sides of being like client side and agency side, I think, I mean, that's a, Yeah, it's invaluable. Yeah, like that's, that's you a know? skill, you know, like I'm able to, I can see, like I can understand how they do things on their end and I can understand how, you know, we have to do things on our end, so. Yeah, that's great. So if you think back to that, maybe experience where you say besides the kind of just getting agency experience what is the like one of your biggest takeaways that really helped you in your career i think one of the biggest takeaways that i took was um making space for people of color i think that's what make did very well um i mean obviously it's multicultural advertisement you know internship program um but i think that again being so young, I don't, I didn't think of things like that, you know, I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. think of, like, what doors were open for me, I mean, I should have been in college, but, you know, college can sometimes be college, but, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. really, you know, thinking about, like, what doors are open for me, or, or how hard it would be to get into certain type of industries, or even, if it's not hard, once I get into the industries, what am I doing to make sure other people, you know, can follow after me and stuff like that, so, to be able to be a part of Make where their kind of sole focus was on making sure there was representation, I think that mattered to me, you know, and, and it's even still like when I when I work on certain projects with my with my agency, I'm kind of just like, you know, we need where's the color, we need representation, like we need, you know, diversity type of type of things because that's what's been ingrained in me from you know, starting with Make and being able to walk down my, the, the hallway and seeing Hispanics and Asians and all, you know, all different people walks of life, so. Yeah, I love how you're able to just now take it and integrate it into your day-to-day work, right? The business side of the work, you know, because obviously we need people doing it as their profession, as practitioners of it, and I think we need people who are 
making sure it happens in the day-to-day work that a lot of those you know diversity equity inclusion jobs don't often touch because there's so much to do in this space i think that that's great now um so it's interesting because you started off and i know that uh you do have the uh snack company but you also said that you do marketing for the government right tell us like I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is how do you have the time to do two to do, do, do things? But also, it gets me curious about, okay, so you, you got your full-time gig, and now you have the snack thing. Like, what got you into the snack world, right? And how did you decide to make that your, like, a, like a paying sort of, like, this is a business? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would say definitely what started me was, was COVID. <laughs> um, <You're good. laughs> kind of having so much time on my hands in the beginning when COVID started, I was just kind of like, what, like, what am I doing? And I randomly ran across like an ebook that was about um, vending machines, you know, and I just mm. kind of was like, oh, what is this? So I just started reading the ebook. I started doing more research on it. And it's like, I just have so much time. <laughs> like, literally, mm-hmm, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm working from home, but I have so much time to just find like, you know, I'm sitting in silence most of the day, so I got time. So I just started trying to just doing a whole bunch of research and I really just got serious about it because as I thought about it, I'm like, you know, I want to create generational wealth. And I think people always mm. say, you know, like, oh, you're supposed to have, you know, multiple streams of income. Uh, yeah, that passive think, income. Right? Yeah, passive and all this, all this stuff that people tell you, right? We don't know if it's right or wrong, but people tell us. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, um, I feel like I was just sitting there thinking, like, you know, what is what is something that's easy to get into, low maintenance, kind mm. of, you know, I can set it and forget it in a way. And as I thought more about it and I started doing more research to vending machines, I was just like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Like, this is this is easy. This is something that I can do and still maintain my my regular life, you know, and, and still create generational wealth. Um, I, I kind of go back and forth on the, on the passive income. I don't need to talk about that, but like okay. I kind of go go back and forth on the whole idea of passive income because I don't really think um, there's like a such thing as like passive income at this moment. Um, mm. But yeah, so I mean, once I once I started doing research and I seen that it was you know something that was easy to get into, costs were low, and I could still you know maintain my life, I just went with it. Okay, that makes I have. So I have, I have two questions. I'm going to separate them kind of being, because first I want to understand to you, well, from you, what does generational wealth mean to you? Hmm. Generational wealth is leaving money, leaving money or just leaving the people who, your family members who will come behind you in a better position. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be starting a side hustle or a side business. That can just be having life insurance. Mm. That's simple, right? A lot of times, um, people of color family, you know, people will pass and, and then you, you get on Facebook and you see the fish fries and the GoFundMe's and all of this type of stuff that people, you know, have to, to take to take care of their loved ones who are sick or certain type of things. And in my mind, I'm kind of like, I want to set it up so that my children who come behind me don't have to go through that. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be able to leave them something so that they know that they're taken care of or that they're at least set up for the next couple of years in their lives, basically, and they don't have to go through that. You know, I feel like a part of being just an adult is to be responsible and it's to make sure that your loved ones or whoever would have to come behind you are set up to, to handle whatever needs to 
I love the whole thing. I love how you start off by saying it's like it's leaving the folks that come behind you better off than you were. And the reason why I love that is, yes, finances are a key piece of that. And also, I think after personally, and I think a lot of a lot of people, but I'll speak just for myself. After the events of 2020, 2021 and what we go through, that also could be, you know, emotional well-being. You know, breaking generational traumas, right? And just making sure they have a better all-around life, you know, um, whether that is finances or, you know, just, like I said, emotional, uh, mental well-being and understanding that we don't have to repeat those same patterns as the past. So that idea of, you know, generational wealth, Yes, definitely is financial and can also be in other ways, too. That's why I love that definition that you had before. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about this. Uh, this idea. So when, when you when you think about your own um, generational, how does that then translate into kind of, you know, this idea? Because, you know, most a lot of a lot of folks see, uh, you know, these, these big time blockbuster entrepreneurs, right? who seemed to have come out of nowhere and created billion dollar companies. Like, were you there? Were you like, yeah, I want to create the next, you know, Google of vending machines where I take over the world, <laughs> you know? And did you have a time frame to do that, right? You no. were like, well, I need to do it in the next five years because of X. Yeah. You know, I did not have a time frame. I'm very big on like not putting pressure on myself and just kind of letting, I guess maybe the universe or the spirit just kind of move me where I needed to move. Um, I think a lot of times when you put that timeline on things, it's just like, who gave you this idea of the timeline? Like, who told you, mm, you know, five That's a good that, question. Like, you needed to do that. Like, you know, I just said, people be telling us stuff, but we don't know if you're it's right, right or right. wrong. You know, like, that's we be right. hearing it, but we don't know. So, for me, I was just like, who told you this was all that you needed to do? Like, why, why, what are we rushing to? I just think as long as you're doing the work. You know, it, it's you eventually get to that point. Like, there's nothing in the world that you, if you continuously do over and over and over again, you're eventually gonna become good at it. Like, I mean, that's just, I feel like that just makes sense to me. But I didn't have any type of pressure. I didn't have any type of timeline. I just had time. I had time. Mm. I was sitting in the house <laughs> all day, <laughs> like not doing anything, and I just was like, I could be using this time to do something. Um, and it was a flow, you know, I mean, thinking of starting a vending machine and, and starting an actual vending machine, I mean, it was a process. I feel like I didn't want to rush it to just be able to go on Instagram and be like, look, I started a business. I wanted to do it right. You know what I mean? I wanted to invest in myself. Like, I bought books. I bought e-courses. Mm. I watched YouTube shows. Like, I, I had consultations with people who were already in it. Like, I put money into this because I wanted to do it. When I was ready to launch, I wanted to do it right. I didn't just want to just do it just, you know, for instant gratification because I wanted this to last, you know. I want to be able to pass the irons down to whoever may come behind me. So it, it has to be set up right. So for me, I didn't have a time limit. I just knew that this is what I wanted to do and I was going to do it. Yeah. I love what you said. That you had you had time. I think what I think is you had time because, you know, pandemic, we're all at home, can't go out, is a but also you gave yourself time, right? You gave yourself the grace to be like, you know, this doesn't have to happen overnight. 
you know, if I'm building generational wealth, I can be that generation that, you know, takes the time to build it for the next versus just like instant, like here's $8 billion the next day. Yeah, and I think when you when you are determined and you have your heart set on something, you're going to do it. Like, you, you are going to do it. You know, it may not have to be on your timeline. It may be on another person's, on another timeline. But when you know that's what you want to do, you're going to make it happen. Like, yeah. And you, you keep saying it's like people tell us these things, but, like, who says that's what will work for you, right? And also, if people tell you this, ask them what's, what's the real story behind What's the story behind it, right? Because there's a much deeper story to anyone's, you know, their version of success than we see on social media or that they're able to tell in a quick, you know, three-second answer <laughs> the question you just asked. So dig deeper and you'll learn. That's... Really great. I want to um, again going back to definitions. You you talked a little bit about you know your idea of passive income and how you might not you know agree completely with that. So when you when you say passive income, right? Just because that's the term, what does it really mean to create? What does it really mean to have passive income to you? Yeah. So I, I think just starting back to like what people think passive income is. I think a lot of times people think like, oh, you know, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do nothing at all. You, mm -hmm. you set this up, and this money is just going to make itself. And I've always counteract people with that because I work hard. Like, I yeah. work hard. Like, even this vending <laughs> machine stuff, I work hard. Nothing is passive about this. I am there fixing these machines. I am there loading these machines up. I am there shopping. I am there creating social media content. That ain't passive. I don't mm -hmm. like that. That's, that's, that's the opposite of passive for me. Like, I have to work, you know? So it's like, yes, like, I'm in a place where, um, thankfully, like the vending machine, I can just kind of set it and forget it once I do all the work. But in order to get there, you got to work. So I don't let people come into this, this this with the idea of like, you don't have to do something because you absolutely have to do something. You have to do something or else it's not going to get started. How are you going to start it? You know? So passive yeah. income to me, I do think that once you get to a point in life, your income can become passive. Like I believe, you know, like Jeff Bezos, I mean, his income is probably passive. He probably doesn't. He was just on yeah. space, and I'm sure Amazon was still, you know, making making millions of dollars every year. But now, no. And and at some point, you know, he had to work. He had to do it. He probably still works, but he had to really be out there on the front line making things mm -hmm. move. You know, so I, I try not to tell people like, oh, come make passive income. Come learn how to make passive income because. Yes, it's passive because I have my machine set up right now and they're kind of, they're probably still making money as I'm sitting here, you know, recording the podcast, but if somebody calls me and they're like, hey, Monica, the, the beverage machine is down, I'm going to work. Like, I'm, mm. going, I'm going up there, you know, so it's no longer passive. So I don't want people to hold on to the idea of things being truly passive and, you know, you set it up, you get it, and your money is just making money because you got to work. You got to get so at this stage, if it's not passive income, what would you call it? Generational wealth, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Generational wealth. Um, additional income, you know. Additional income, um, okay. An asset. Like, those are the things that I would call additional income. Um, and I don't even call it a side hustle or anything. I've heard people label owning vending machines as like a side hustle. And again, it's not a side hustle because I, I really do this. Like, I really mm. I'm really out pitching to companies. I'm really out testing machines. Like this is really like this is a full-time job part two, basically for me. So um, it, it's just it's additional effort. It's 
additional income. Um, you know, it's, it's extra money that's going to help you with whatever it is that you need help with. You know, if that's paying bills, if that's saving, if you want to take this money and invest it, you know, this is the investment for it. You know? Taking all of your experience, I'm going to ask a few questions, but again, I'm going to pace them out so you can answer them. What are some of the some of the pieces of advice you can give to folks who are looking to get some of that additional income and maybe not sure where to start, right? Because it's like I remember you remember you saying like you know you're in there you're reading this book about you know vending machines and you're like oh this is this is easy I can do this I mean I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are like oh this seems easy I can do this, right? What piece of advice you have to help them choose and also like choose something that they, they can actually maintain because just because it's easy doesn't mean you're going to continue to do it right. if you're not really into it, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's, that's true. And I think one of the one or two pieces of advice I feel like I would give is one that people should never be afraid to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times when people get ideas, they kind of just let the idea just sit as an idea and I don't think they actually do the work to to find people who are in that industry to find ebooks, to find YouTube, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is whatever that you want to do, I feel like you have to do more than just send in a DM to somebody who does it. Hmm. Like, Hey, how did you start? No, yeah. you can't, you can't do that. Especially when I made these resources available for you and I have consultations, when I have ebooks, like you have to take that initiative and really invest in yourself and pay to invest in yourself. If there's somebody who knows something more than me, oh, I'm, I'm paying. Like, what is, what's your, what do, how much do I need to charge you? Because I want your knowledge, you know? Like, and I know yeah. the time and value that you've spent learning your craft. I'm not just coming to expect that for free. I'm just not going to give you, give you a question and, you know, expect you to answer for free. Like, time's money, so I'm going to pay. So I think, one, people have to invest in themselves and not be afraid of it. You know, and if it's something that, like, don't go into anything with a quick mindset, you know, like don't go into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to make this quick money with these vending machines, like don't have that mindset because you, you, you're not going to win. If your heart is in it only to like make a quick dollar, that's the easiest way for you to fizzle out. You really got to go into just like giving it your all and being 100% in, being 100% mm-hmm. willing to, to learn, to, to pivot when needs to be pivot. I started during COVID. My machines weren't making no money. <laughs> mm. Making no money at all. At all. Because there was no traffic. You know? Yeah, machines yeah. need traffic. I need people. I didn't have that nothing. I didn't make no money. You know? So if if I was in it to make a quick dollar, I would have been out of it as soon as COVID hit. I would have been I would have been done, you know. But I know the long game and I know that I'm in it because this is really what I want to do. This is not just like a, a quick, you know, uh diet tea for me trying to <laughs> lose a couple lose a couple pounds or something like this is really you know like really, really what i want to do so i mean that's my two pieces of advice is invest in yourself and really don't have that quick mindset you're willing to put in work for it for anything not even just it doesn't even have to be a machine it can be whatever it is that you want to do just gotta do the work yeah i mean i the invest in yourself is i mean i can't tell you i mean probably done it ourselves we probably know people who won't spend whether it's a little bit or a lot of bit of money on something that will pay dividends in the long run but we'll go out you know well we could go out before go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a night of drinks right, right you know 
multiple right. times. You say, well, that money could have been. So it's like this idea of investing in yourself. It's like that always pays the most dividends in the end. So that that piece of advice is is great. And on your your second piece of advice, I'm curious to you, like, what about what was it about vending machines that really like, you know, gets your blood pumping? You're like, yeah, this is the thing I want to do. You know what? Honestly, the thing about vending machines is there is minimal customer service. Like, there's minimal customer interaction. So I don't necessarily have to, you know, deal with, like, disgruntled company uh, customers or things like that. It's really just kind of like you set it and you, in a way, like, you forget it. And I look at a lot of times on, like, small businesses, people who run small businesses, and sometimes, like, how customers treat them and how customers, you know, Mm -hmm, DM them mm -hmm. or email them when their package is late and all this type of stuff and how rude people can be and I just kind of was like I don't know if I want that for myself I don't mm. know if I want to you know like be so accessible where people have a, a face you know to a, something and they're waiting on a product like I wanted something that was a little bit easier to get into and easier to maintain and that I didn't have to have that customer service type of element and <laughs> that was you know that was vending machines for me um, and, I, and I also, I'm a sugar baby, so I'm like, I love pohos, I love donuts, love the I love snacks. cakes, like, I love all type of snacks, okay. so, there know, it anyway, is. I can there flip that is. and kind of make some money off of that, I'm like, okay, here we go, this is, this is right in my alley. Know. A couple packs for the vending machine, a couple packs for the <laughs> a couple home, a couple yes. packs for the vending machine. All right, I see. There it is. Definitely. There it is. <laughs> that is me. That is All right. Me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think, I always think it's so important to find that drive behind the the passion, right? Because, you know, someone might be like, vending machines, but then you're like, oh no, but I love snacks. Right. Like, you know, like. Right. I, that's that's where I am, and the vending machines make sense. Um, and I, I love what how you also because I mean you you have a full time job also, right? So part of your part of your search seemed in in what you wanted how you want to take that passion, you know, like you said for the for those sugar sweets for those snacks and turn it. You also didn't want it to really have a huge impact on your your in quotes nine to five, right? So you found something that would kind of satisfy that sugar sweet craving and that passion. And earn you some income, but also, you know, you didn't open up uh, a bodega right. where you had to be there twenty four seven to deal with people. Right. You were like, okay, I'm gonna do because it would impact your nine to five. So I think, I think that's amazing in finding something to, to 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 really resonate with you, but also not like totally interrupt your life because that's what you want to do. That worked for you. So asking that and that that being part of, I think how you landed on vending machines. How do you balance having this full-time job, even with something that doesn't take up, you know, a lot of time, like a convenience store, but still takes up your time, right? Because if that vending machine breaks or it's empty, like you go and fix that, you go and refill it. But how do what what tips do you have? What advice? How do you do it? And like, what advice do you have for folks about finding that balance and maintaining um, both? I think for one, I say use your time wisely. Um, I know what my calendar with my real job kind of looks like. All you know, like from schedules and you know weeks ahead, so I'm able to kind of plan around it. Um, I think the reason that I'm able to do it is because I have locations that are 24-7. So even when, you know, I get off work, if I get off work at 4, this location is open 24-7, so I can go at midnight, you know, mm. and kind of change it. And it's not always the case, you know, because I do have locations that are also Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it's just about balance and using my time wisely. It's like if I know 
I have meeting goal during this day, but I'm free on, you know, Monday is booked, but Tuesday is booked, and I will change my vending machine, you know, sometime on Tuesday and things like that. And thing, it's like, you know, vending machines allow you to have that flexibility. Um, where mm-hmm. I don't have to go up there because the vending machines have so many options. Even if it's out of one set of chips, there's like five more set chips for people to fill, you know, for people to choose. Yeah. From. So I have that flexibility of being able to kind of pick and choose when I'm going to go through it. But um, my nine to five is my bread and butter. So, it's, you know, in a sense, like, you know, I always have to make sure that that is, that is taken care of and all of my projects and everything is good. But it's just, it's really good boiling down for me to choose in my time wisely. Making sure mm. that I, I live on a calendar. Like, I live on my calendar. Like, I don't know how people, like, I live on this calendar. Everything is yep. my, everything is set 10, 11, I'm here, 12, 12, 12, and, you know, it, it makes it so that I don't miss a beat. Yeah, I mean, I talk to people, if it's not my calendar, it doesn't exist to me. So, <laughs> you need to, if it's not there, like, sorry. Um, so I'm curious now about, do you use like a digital calendar? Do you use an analog calendar? Some mix no, of I both? No, I use Outlook. I use Outlook mm. um, and I have my regular just Google. Yep. And so, I connect it to my phone. So a question then, like, because I think this is something that I often struggle with is like, do you mix biz, like your nine to five and your personal and your, you know, other job calendars into one place where you can see it all or do you keep them separate? So I keep them se- so I keep them separate, but on my business calendar I will block off a certain amount of time. So if I mm. know I have to do something from eleven to twelve on my work calendar, I will block like eleven okay. to twelve off so people won't, you know, like try to schedule meetings yeah, or contact yeah, yeah. me and stuff like that. Um and I honestly I'll be just saying, like sometimes like I I've even taken meetings while I'm filling up the vending machines. <laughs> like I multi I will multitask, like you know, I have I my work phone. Word, um yep. I will, you know, take everything on a row with me, go fill it up because some, like some of my locations are they're kind of about like fifteen minutes from my house. So okay. it's not like a big, you know, interruption. I've been very fortunate on finding very good locations, um, within like, you know, the Baltimore um city Yeah, you area. seem very strategic so, about your yeah, locations and what yeah. you want to do. I'm very I'm good. very strategic. I'm very like, uh, that's not a good fit for me. Oh, that's too far away. So, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate. And I'll take meetings if I take meetings on the road or if I have to take them while I'm filling things up. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just life now. Uh, taking yeah. meetings in the car, yeah. taking meetings out in the park, because that's just where you are yeah. doing. So yeah, so I do have um, one question that just came up. You know, really, I just looking for advice from someone who's thinking about starting, you know, uh, you know, another business with a nine to five. Like, what what were your biggest challenges? Um, and then what advice would you give to people who are thinking about like taking a passion of theirs and turning it into, you know, maybe not the next Amazon, but a business, right? right? right. You know? Um, I, I think people just have to do it. <laughs> like, yes. you really, like, honestly, because I feel like so many times, like, we really psych ourselves out. Like, mm. we have things that we want to do, but for some reason, it's like, we just don't do them. It's like, we be so, like, scared. And I always have this moment with my friends where I call, like, my friends sometimes can call me, like, shit night, because I be telling them, like, come have, <laughs> you need to come have this, come to death row. I need to have this meeting with you. Like, we need to have this, I, I, that is how we are. I'm like, come have we, it's right. death row records. Like, come on, we need to have right. this meeting because in my mind, I'm like, why? Like, what are you scared of? Like, just do it. Just jump out there. You know, you know what you're talking about. As long as you take the time and you invest in yourself, as I said, and you, you know, you really get prepared and you're not doing this just to 
have something to say on social media because that's what people do on social media is, you know, sometimes just show off what they accomplish and stuff like that. Um, I say go. Like, I feel like you're never going to know what's on, like, on the other side of fear. So I'm always like, feel the fear and do it anyway. Like, if you feel, I mean, you get back up, like, it's okay. But I think that the biggest thing people can do is, like, people really sleep on themselves. And I always tell people, yeah. like, if you have something you want to do big, small, if, it's, if you think it's great and it means the world, the world to you, do it. Like that, do it. You know. Yeah, there's this. Um, you remind me of this poem that I. Uh, so I, I I tore my MCL in 2019, and I was doing rehab after surgery. And there was a point where I was like, "Yo, I'm never gonna walk the same again. Like this hurts too much. Like it's not." And I saw this. This it was it was really strange. It was in like the corner of the was the physical therapy place like taped to a door that like no one goes near except for the staff and i just caught my caught my eye and i looked and it was this poem by i think marion wilkinson called our greatest fear right and the line it's only the first paragraph that they had up there but the line i always see that was like she says like our greatest fear is not our greatest fear is really just how amazing we are i'm paraphrasing yeah. oh this yeah poem. i know not that we are right adequate, but we are yeah yeah, but it's that, like, we are, like, more powerful than we actually realize, right. right? And I think what I hear from you is saying, like, people are just like, you know, like, get over that fear and just mm-hmm. accept who you are and what you are mm-hmm. and, do and go do this thing. Yeah. Because yeah. if this is something that's just sitting there, keeps coming up over and over again, like, you meant to do that. Yeah. You, know, you meant to at well, least try it, yeah. right? Figure yeah. something out. Yeah. So instead of embracing the fear, embrace the power that is you yeah. and just go and, do it. And of the unknown, I think a lot of times, I think we're, we're paralyzed because we don't necessarily know how to do something or we're waiting for it to be perfect, right? Like, oh, yeah. I'm waiting, to, I'm waiting yeah. until this is done to launch this. Like, yep. if you want to put that website up and, and, and make this IG and let's go, like, what, what's bigger? I was like, oh, I'm waiting to get this. I'm waiting to get that. And it's like, always waiting for something. Though. Yeah, we always, we just, we always waiting. And it's like, you got to go. You got to do it. You just got to go out there. I mean, everything should be like an experiment, right? It's like, you put something out, you do it. It doesn't work. I mean, no plan goes perfectly every time or ever, really, right? Try something that doesn't work, keep moving. You try something else that doesn't work, keep moving. You try something that works for that time, great. And then it doesn't work because times change <laughs> and you keep moving, right? Um, it's all, all just one big experiment, you know? Research and development constantly, constantly. Monica, this it's, it's, it's come, to, it's come to a time in... Uh, this conversation where we often give our guests 60 seconds to say what everything, anything they want to leave everything on the table to make sure nothing gets left unsaid. We've had a great conversation. You've given us a lot of wisdom. You've shared some stories. What do you want to leave the listeners with that either was said and you want to reiterate something new we haven't touched on you got 60 seconds all right um i think the main thing i want to i guess reiterate to people is to always invest in yourself um i think that is so underrated like i think people reach this comfort zone and you kind of stop wanting to learn more or, or, or maybe feeling like you know you've learned all you need to learn but that's not true like it's so much out there to learn and it's so much skills to polish up on and, and the world is evolving, we're evolving, 
it's it's so much it's so much power in investing in yourself and I just want people to really invest in themselves and I also want people to not take things they see on social media like literally you know like don't feel like you have to rush to to do this or to do that like your life is moving wait like you know your life is passing you by like you are exactly where you need to be doing exactly what you need to do at the right time everything that's gonna be for you in this series it's gonna get to you all right all right <laughs> i love that invest in yourself monica thank you so much for taking the time with us today to share your story to share your advice to share your wisdom uh it was such a great conversation and i hope that everyone just takes a little bit about building that generational wealth getting some of that other income and really just going for it so thank you thank you to our listeners thank you to the 4-H foundation team the entire left unsaid podcast team and anyone else who helped make this podcast a, a reality and uh for all listeners thank you again and until next time